0: Howdy, and welcome back to the FPL jingle. If you're wondering why it's me doing the intro and not Owen, it's because Owen is sadly no longer with us. I know, uh, it's probably going to come as a surprise to a lot of you, especially those that know him personally. Uh, all of us here at the FPL jingle, we're incredibly sad to hear about the news and uh, send out our best wishes to all involved. That's right, Owen is dead. Dead serious but having a good time in Germany this week, so that's why you have me as host on the pod, and uh, Owen will be back next week uh, to take over his role as host, but uh, joining me this week as co-host is a voice I'm sure that you're all familiar with, uh, Stephen Lyons, how are you?
1: I'm good, Stephen, how how are you? Um, I, I think it has kind of made natural sense for what you taking taken over as the host that um, we keep as Stephen the co-host but Chair, just off to kind of make uh, this too uh, unfamiliar territory for our regular listeners missing their big daddy. Yeah, though. yeah. It,
0: it <laughs> it's nice to keep the Steve quota high on the pod. So anytime I can, I can up that number. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely gonna do it. We're just two um, Steves in a pod. So yeah. <laughs> That actually might be the title of this episode if Owen how already hasn't used that line for one. That's actually a brilliant line. Oh, <laughs> uh, very happy good. Happy to contribute, so, earlier. Uh, was... I
1: can coast off that for the rest of the podcast. Yeah. now. Cheers.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all plain sailing from here on out. How was uh, how was your weekend, Steve?
1: Um, I had a nice kind of quiet weekend. Kind of, I'd been busy during kind of last week, and knew I was going to be busy with work this week, so um inadvertently did a lot of prep for uh, this pod by just sitting my arse in front of the TV and consuming the sport.
0: Got it. That really is it like it, it, any time people tell me that I'm wasting my time watching uh, Norwich Leeds I tell them well it, it's it's for research purposes. I got to give the people what they want. You know, do the dirty works so that they don't have to.
1: You know, like we we saw kind of a national hero almost emerge um, for anyone that was uh, willing to watch that game. Obama and Adele. Don't think I butchered that too much. Yeah, yeah. Had a had a very good performance.
0: No, yeah. I, I I've heard I've heard way worse uh, pronunciations of his name. Um, I'm sure we'll all get used to it when he's a future Ireland captain and Irish top scorer. A uh, real Shane Duffy about him. You know, with that that headed goal, but we're getting ahead of ourselves here. We'll we'll get into that now in a second. Um, we might start off with Steve uh, is is the matchups from this weekend. I'm just going to do a quick rundown of the the matchups, and then we'll talk maybe a bit more in depth about our own individual matchups. Um, so I played Ty Flynn this weekend and was the winner of fifty to thirty two. We had Owen Conheedy, uh with his second loss of the season against Mark Lassie, uh 38-35. Uh, we had yourself get a win um, against uh, Paddy Brennan, 33-30. Very tight game. Uh, Connell uh, absolutely uh, demolished Thomas uh, this weekend with a score of 67-31. to I think that was the highest score this week. Uh, I think it was pretty close. Uh, no, John was 55 Quiet by a distance yeah it was a bit of a distance in the end uh, Mitch uh, getting a close win over Cahill Connolly thirty-three twenty-nine. 29 Andy Harrington getting a win over his friend Owen Dillon thirty-seven twenty-five. 25 John Scanlon uh, consistently high scorer getting another win fifty-five thirty-one. Um,
1: deserves everything he gets yeah
0: exactly Uh. Uh, Connor uh, with another win, 33 uh, 24. He's built up a couple of wins, uh, I think now, maybe two or three on the bounce there. And then we had Mark Gary getting back to winning, or, well, not back to, he beat me, I suppose, but well, continuing his winning ways with a 32 25 win over Porik, who was a bit unfortunate because he had largely City players. I think he might have even had Laporte, who got sent off. So, a bit unfortunate for him.
1: Yeah, but. I believe he has three city defenders, including Laporte. So kind of most other game weeks, that's a kind of a positive and not the absolute negative it was there. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so looking at the table then, there's been there's a bit of a shake-up, but it's all very incredibly tight. So we have uh, yourself first on 25 points, Owen a second on 22 points after that <laughs> after that loss to, to Mark Lossie. Uh, I've leapfrogged into third place with uh, 20 points after that win over Tig. Connell is close behind me on 19 points. Uh, also on 19 points in fifth place is Conor Skeen, who's made a, a, a nice climb the last few weeks. Um, Mark Gary down in 6th I'm sure he won't be too happy about that uh, Porik and <laughs> uh, Paddy went from 3rd and 4th to 7th and 8th with 18 points apiece just shows you how, how incredibly tight it is in the league at the moment Um, Mark also on 18 points in ninth. John probably a bit unlucky given his high scoring to be 5 and 4 and on 16 points in 10th <laughs> excuse me um, Tomas, sorry, Tomas, Thomas in, uh, 15th, or sorry, 15 points. Jeez, I'm butchering this. Uh, 15 points in 11th and, uh, Tyke Flynn on 13 points in 12th. And then it kind of, kind of goes off a cliff then. Uh, Cahill, Mitch, Andy, Owen all on nine points, uh, going from 13th to 16th. And then Gary on six points in 17th and team auto draft with one win, uh, three points in 18th.
1: Yeah, just looking at that, the top half of the table, like it's uh, very, very tight. Um, John, yeah, as you're saying, 10th, very unlucky. I believe he kind of has a, a nice, comfortable cushion as the the top point score overall. So, it oh gets yeah, he, unlucky. he 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 definitely has the
0: average good. highest score. I'd say,
1: yeah, by a good few points as well. But then, just looking at let's say from ninth up until. Um, yourself in third there's literally less than three points in it ninth has 18 points yeah and you're right. on 20 and third so like that that table is definitely going to be a change in a move and moving a lot especially coming into the christmas period after the yeah, next international yeah, break uh, when games start kind of i've uh, I've talked about it enough facts. times in this
0: podcast but i really i do i think those two draws that i have while well, they well, initially they might have gone against me, but probably stand to me just because they're they're not losses. But uh, anyway, well, I, I won't talk about that anymore. Um, we'll get into your matchup, Steve. Do you want to take us through it?
1: Yeah, no, I'm happy to take you through it and always <laughs> happy to beat Paddy uh,
0: Brennan. Paddy uh, Brennan.
1: Uh, yeah, I am. Um, I was kind of a bit worried at the very start of the, the game week because a player I dropped, Gabriel from Arsenal, and Saka, who I had on my bench, immediately combined within six minutes of the first game of the game week. So I thought that was kind of a yeah. kind of warning sign to be like, Previous season's luck was week, coming back Steven. to haunt you. But, um, yeah, just the flashbacks just kind of... you're the the dog in the meme with all the
0: war flashbacks
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's exactly what popped the mind. but um, uh, yeah I think kind of not a great week for either of myself or Patty. it was kind of more who could kind of just not lose rather than one of us kind of winning the week and I think kind of his man city contingent a lot like um, as you mentioned with pork probably kind of played a, a a large part in his loss with kind of yeah Laporte getting him at the right card obviously impacting Kyle Walker and then Bernardo Silva and Jesus yeah um, I I, I kind of have a, like some eater. notes here
0: about standout players for both of you and I for him I kind of have like you know McCarthy, Christensen, Laporte, lol <laughs> and then Bowen um but yeah your, your <laughs> team like was uh you had a few players return for you Steve didn't you?
1: Yeah, no kind of um yeah that Chelsea defense that I've kind of invested in has been very solid with Mendy and Chilwell getting me clean sheets. Um I originally had thrown in that lineup as well because again it was Newcastle so kind of unfortunately um, he didn't come on as a sub and kind of take away any points that way. Um then yeah Rafinha just such a good good player. Um even though he had the uh, impossible task of taking on Obama and Adele, for the the week he just anytime he touches a ball he looks like he can make something happen and um yeah his, his composure for the goal even if he was a bit lucky with kind of the finish just the way he cut in with his touch and kind of sent a few defenders he's Yeah a player, he's uh, he's doing
0: really well not even for just Leeds right now for the national team I know that the last international break he came on as a sub and got like two assists or two goals, and then he started the next game and got like a goal and an assist. So he's starting to become a, a real a main player for Brazil as well. So you can really tell that his his uh his stock is on the rise there, but um which is good and like for that Leeds team, especially without um, Bamford uh, at the moment, they're going to need to rely on him even more heavily. So we'll see. It'd be interesting to see how that goes. So uh, those were the main players that returned for you. And then for Paddy then, you had McCarthy for seven points, which is nice. Christensen for six to kind of cover off one of your Chelsea boys. And then Bowen, uh, who who got a goal and an assist. Uh, he also got a yellow card, but I mean, you'd be happy with that out of him. Bowen is like a, I don't know if he's, he's sneaky underrated, but like, if it doesn't feel like people talk about him enough for how kind of good a player he is,
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think he's a a very good player. I kind of just uh, my cousin's a West Ham fan, so I've always kind of watched a fair bit of them and kept an eye on him. And ever since he's kind of maybe not when he initially joined from Holland that January, but ever since kind of his first full seasons in a West Ham jersey, uh, yeah, he's just been a very good player. So I think it's just the way his name's Jared, and I think he kind of is almost a bit of a David Moyes player in the way you know it mightn't like be the most attractive name or kind of when you come to mind of being top notch but kind of they put in the work and there is a bit of kind of yeah style i think that's it he's a, he's
0: a bit workmanlike and i think he really kind of suits what dave Moyes is doing in terms of that like formation with the 4231 you have uh, Sue Second Royce as your whole midfields, and then that kind of allows himself and Ben Rama and Antonio to kind of do their thing. But like now, he he gets back, he tracks back, and he does his bit for the team as well. But um, yeah, he just he was he was fairly impressive that game against Aston Villa. We might touch on it a bit later. So um, yeah, like Laporte, as you said earlier, I think uh, that was a that's a real four point swing for for Paddy. Like they'd already conceded, so the bonus point there, a clean sheet was gone, but. Like, you know, you still figure you get the appearance points out of him, and then the, the yellow card gets upgraded by VAR to a red card, and he's out the game, and that's minus two for him. So, ended up being key in the end. Um I'm sure other players like uh Jack Harrison getting the yellow card, Bernardo Silva getting the yellow card, Jamie Vardy getting the yellow card, like, really kind of hurt him as well. But overall, like...
1: Yeah, because it... Yeah, when it's a three-point game week and you have that many cards against you, you have to feel hard done by. But let's say I, I ended up having Saka's six points left on the bench myself and dropping 12 from Gabriel for his goal. I was wondering because, because you, you were of... saying
0: to me that uh, you had Saka to come in for six. And then I was looking, I was putting the document together and I was like, wait, Saka isn't in your team. What happened here?
1: Um, yeah, I just I c kinda of, I I scored seventy seven points the week before, so kinda of, I just went we'll run it back again and um Zach had been injured leading into the previous week. I think he he started anyway against um the villain that mm. Friday night game. But um so I kinda of, I said if it was ain't broke, yeah. don't fix uh, it. We might <laughs> move on to my
0: team my my matchup so against Tig. Um mine was a bit more a little bit more comprehensive uh i had 50 points to tie 32 uh i had david Rea, who i wasn't i wasn't aware of in my housemate didn't know either <laughs> that he was injured before i picked him up so obviously he's going to get dropped for next week because i don't see why i'd keep him uh cancelo for two um he got subbed off before they conceded a second so he kept the two points um tiago silva for six uh Reese James for, for two goals and a clean sheet. Uh fucking eight. <laughs> excellent. Like Reese James is kind of like really doing <laughs> the business for me lately. I think he got a goal last week. I think he got two goals against Arsenal to get me like fifteen points in that game or goal and an assist in that game. Uh for the win that, that weekend as well. Like he, he's an excellent uh, player to have and what made it even sweeter I suppose is the fact that Tig actually dropped him uh, either last week or the week before or last because uh, i think he was injured so if he would imagined this m- matchup would have been a lot tighter had taig also had uh reese james like i would have probably only won by two points <laughs> uh well i mean
1: yeah i was gonna say when when he loses by 18 and i know what i say an appearance point kind of would take that off as a, the total but yeah you know it'd be a, yeah a one-point game or Perhaps a draw if he lined up as yeah, like a yeah, different. Exactly. <laughs> Obviously, so, uh, in his dream world where he still has Reece James and uh, although he had Laporte as well that we had to drop uh, previously to injury, so
0: yeah, uh, can't have it everywhere So uh, Robertson for zero points because they conceded two goals and he got a yellow card. Bowen for nine, Madison for two, Rashford for five. He got an assist or goals after he came on. Um, Salah for uh, got an assist uh Tony um for two and then Vardy obviously got the yellow cards for one. Um me and Twike's team were similar in some regards. He also had Vardy and Rashford so they covered each other off. He had uh Huang Hee Chan uh for two uh who had a goal disallowed which kind of was good for me because I probably would have made that made it a little bit more interesting than I wanted it to be even though I did win by eighteen points. <laughs> um Corne with the goal this
1: low goal was early. Yeah, it was exactly
0: so. If he'd gotten that early, it would have it would have uh, been a nervy like rest of the game. Not that I would have been aware of it because I was busy injuring my knee. Uh, Cornet for a goal, who I did recommend in uh, last week's episode. I think he's very good and doing a lot of good things for for that Burnley side. Trossard came in from for seven. Uh, De Bruyne for one John Stones for one Pontus Janssen for one Christensen for six uh, Semedo for two and Ederson for zero uh, he did get one point for uh, clean sheets uh, for, for for sorry one point for uh, three saves but he also got a yellow card so um, <laughs> and then he also had Conor Gallagher on his bench for ten points who didn't come in for him because I think Semedo came, uh, either played the full 90 or he came on as a sub I can't remember I know Janssen. Um, Sorry, It would have been ahead. John Stones
1: come or John Stones coming in as a sub in that due to the sending off. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Together, stuck yeah, on his it. bench.
0: So a little bit of misfortune on Tiggs' behalf, but I mean, he's he's gone chopping and changing in terms of uh from the team he has now to the team he had at the at the start of the draft and it's cost him a little bit. But uh you know, overall happy. Like uh had to uh, had to keep the keep the wins going, try and keep in touch with yourself and Owen, So happy enough out there. Um, might just finish up on this segment by announcing the results from the cup. So if uh, you were listening to last week's episode, uh, Mitch was drawn against uh, Gary, and Andy was drawn against Team Auto Draft or Ray's team, <laughs> depending on which name you prefer to use. Um. Mitch got the win against Gary, very close, 33-31, to 31. Uh, and then Andy uh, got the win over auto-draft, 37-24. Uh, to 24.
1: Nice to see Andy kind of getting a win there, kind of new to the league, kind of his first cup game, and especially to kind of, you know, it looks easy on paper, an auto-draft team, but... Isn't that kind of exactly what the kind of banana skin of the cup? Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, The magic of the cup, um, both home teams getting the win in in those fixtures, or at least the way I've written it out, that both home teams got the win. So uh, (laughs) what we might do is we'll take a a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll uh, talk about this weekend's fixtures. Okay, uh, and when I said (laughs) this week's episode, or sorry, this week's... uh, fixtures i obviously meant last week's fixtures <laughs> so um we'll start with the the first game on saturday uh leicester nil arsenal two uh steve a uh, nice performance from the gunners here
1: yeah no um, i was a as, a as an arsenal fan like yourself you know i was very impressed with uh, the performance of the team obviously got kind of out of the gates very quickly and then just kind of put in a good Solid kind of away team performance holding on to that
0: lead. Yeah, uh, I thought the Arsenal were impressive uh, the way they started the game. Uh, they really came out the blocks ready to go. Um, obviously typified by Gabriel getting the goal on five minutes into the game. Uh, Leicester just didn't look awake. Uh, Arsenal capitalised and then uh, Madison gets dispossessed in, in the middle of the park and Arsenal were able to, to do a swift counter-attack and and Smithrow finishes the move off well with a really nice finish. Uh, after 18 minutes, Leicester 2-0 down, chasing the game. Uh, Arsenal showing a lot of endeavour, um, a lot of uh, pressing. And it looks like that 4-4-2 kind of formation off the ball kind of suits it, suits them well.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely kind of nice to see kind of um, an Arsenal team getting a bit more of a an identity and getting kind of used to each other. But because I'm because we've um, dealt with like a lot of new faces coming into that starting lineup very well, they do look uh gelled and cohesive, and I think yeah, kind of when we struggled to be a real um pressing team in previous seasons, that um, we're looking a lot better in that regard. Um, uh, since the first international break in September, after kind of our three losses on the trot.
0: Yeah, yeah, No, we've uh having a consistent, a consistent back four um by the fact that Tavares has come in for Tierney the last couple of games. I think it's been good. I think Gabriel has some ridiculous record of um not losing a game in however many games for Arsenal since he started. So, you know, he's the re- he seems to be the real key key man at the back. Him and Ben Whiter seems to be a good pairing. Um um but I mean, Jesus, the man that they have behind them could <laughs> you, know, "You shall not pass!" Like that—that that was some performance from Aaron Armsdale And and any doubters who were who were questioning the the signing at the start of the season have to be holding up their hand after this performance, surely. They're not holding their hand up as strong as Aaron Ramsdale, though, for that save. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, for those who haven't seen it, you have to go back and watch his uh, his save against uh, Madison's free, uh, free kick. It it looks like for all the world that it's in, because he's got the sun uh, in his eyes. He's got a lot of ground to cover. Uh, it's a really well-placed free kick. He, he gets a strong hand to it, tips it onto the crossbar and down. And then Johnny Evans comes in and is... It looks like he's gonna tap it in and somehow we he manages to scramble it away and then Tavares clears off the line, I think. It was the it was the the best save I've seen in in a long, long time, Steve.
1: Yeah, no, and like it sounds kinda, of, you know, like exaggeration or whatever, just because it's like the most recent great save you've seen, but like I, I genuinely after I you know, I took a few minutes to contemplate and I was like no, that genuinely is one of the best saves I've ever seen. And then, um, you know, you kind of see like players from the past, like, you know, Peter Schmeichel, obviously well-respected in the goalkeeping circles. Like he came out and said, you know, again, one of the best saves he's ever seen. So, yeah, no, yeah. it is, again, if, if even if you have seen it, go back and watch those angles again. It, it's art.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah for me it uh, evoked uh, memories of uh, well not memories i wasn't alive when it happened I, well i wasn't <laughs> alive or able to recall a uh, seaman save uh i think it was in the fa cup when he just sort of like it looks for all the world like it's in and he just somehow like kind of flicks it with his like wrist or something off the line uh unbelievable stuff um has to be said That's though like... lester sorry steve I was actually, just funnily enough,
1: that is one of my earliest footballing memories is that uh, David Seaman save kind of the claw where he uh, he reaches back behind him mm. just to flick it away. I think it was an FA Cup semi-final against Sheffield United.
0: Jeez, that's a memory.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, so just to touch on Leicester for a second then, because you know, they were they were in this game too. Uh, mm. They weren't at it in the first half, but in the second half they're much improved. They brought Harvey Barnes on, got more width. And definitely started to cause more problems for Arsenal. But it just felt like one of those days where they weren't gonna concede. Um you know, they they were making a lot of substitutions. I think Madison came off after seventy minutes, who, you know, would be one of their main attacking threats. Scored last week, had an assist in the Europa then uh, earlier on in the week previous. Um but yeah, Vardy looks a little off form as well lately, and you're kinda of thinking like, where are Leicester kind of going this season? Are they kind of, are they still going to scrape together maybe Europa League spot, or are they are they going to finish outside there?
1: Yeah, um, Leicester have definitely been a lot more of a mixed bag than I think a lot of people anticipated. Um, Especially, like, defensively, kind of, you know, they've had a shaky period and, ha- and do have injuries in that unit, uh, but yeah, kind of the attack really hasn't got clicking on all gears, and they're kind of switching between their kinda of four two three one and then three four one two trying to find themselves. Yeah. Um, I think they did they they did apply like the appropriate pressure to Arsenal in that second half, but it just um kind of the Arsenal defence looked impenetrable and Ramsdale himself looked invincible.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. So after that win Arsenal are in sixth uh level on points with united who are in fifth we'll get on to them maybe at the end and leicester themselves find themselves in 11th with a a game coming up against leeds this weekend which you feel like they they kind of have to have to get a result from have to get a win there um we'll move on to maybe talk about a couple of games quickly and then kind of get get to one of the bigger games uh so Burnley 3, uh, Brentford 1. Uh, nice win for Burnley against the Brentford side, who are maybe kind of coming back down to earth a bit after their amazing start to the season. Uh, Burnley, you know, had to kind of get a win here to try and stop the rot and kind of build something.
1: Yeah, no, um, in-, in fairness to Brentford, I think kind of just, even though Burnley haven't been in great form, I think one thing they are very good is if they take an early lead, it's very hard to kinda of claw that back off them. Yeah, I th- that definitely
0: I think Brentford are aren't used to trying to break the well not that they're not used to trying to break down a team like Burnley, but Burnley are a notoriously difficult team to break down. Um so I just think they found it tough. Um just looking at the stats for this game, they didn't really seem to have many goal scoring opportunities at all. Um so you know, they kinda of clawed one back in the seventy ninth, but you know, the the result was always going to be Burnley's, really, so... Burnley, after that win, find themselves in 18th, Brentford, then in 12th, who uh, have a, a decent fixture coming up against Newcastle. Um, Watford nil, Southampton won. I I don't have any kind of... Out of all the talk we had about doing research and everything, I I didn't see this game, and I had no interest to go and watch the highlights. Uh, che Adams with the goal, and seemed like a fairly dull affair. Um... Well, Southampton in 14th, Watford in 16th. I think the only kind of thing I have to say is, is the new manager bounce gone already, Steve? I don't
1: I didn't know. I think it's going to stay bouncing because they had a 5-0 loss, and they scored 5 and a win the next week. I think we're in for a dilly-dilly-dong good time with Watford.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, oh, we'll have to see what goes on with Watford, but with all the manager changes they love to do, it we'll probably... You can probably say it won't be boring anyway. Um now one of the more interesting games this weekend, uh, Liverpool 2, Brighton two. Um I was watching this game and it was uh, it was brilliant to see. Like uh, it was it was it was a great game. Uh Liverpool going two nil up, um Henderson in the fourth minute with a salah assist, uh Manning with the goal with an oxlade Chamberlain assist. And you're thinking, God, they're on to there, theres this is another potential five nil hiding here. But uh, they kind of took their foot off the gas, really. Like uh, they kind of seemed that they could uh, kind of do something similar to what they did in the United game and kind of maybe coast. But um, Brighton uh, showed a lot of fight uh, to come back into this game. Uh, Mwepu with a, a, a lovely finish. Um, Chip and Allison from outside the box. Uh, who I like, maybe he, the sun got in his eyes a little bit, but I mean the position was, his position was just way off and lovely finish from him. Uh, to get them uh only one goal back, going into the break, and then uh Trossard then with a really nice finish to get them level, and honestly after that, like they probably looked a little bit more side likely to snatch an, another a third goal, um, but you know, and, and then Liverpool were were making subs to try and bring on uh, fresh players to kind of maybe drive for a third goal as well, but their 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 bench isn't as strong as their starting eleven. And so it kind of finished 2-2, which is probably the fair result, if you ask me. Um, did you get a look at this, Steve?
1: Yeah, no, well, I kind of had uh, this on kind of one TV and uh, Chelsea and Newcastle on the other. And yeah, I kind of have a lot of the same sentiments as yourself, kind of that first 25-30 minutes. Yeah, Liverpool looked like they just picked up where they left off against Man United, And kind of like, to me, they were kind of looking like, okay, there's this is the Premier League kind of title winner just like if they're going to be able to keep this up against everyone but then yeah just um I think kind of as you're saying Liverpool squad a bit thinner than some of their title rivals and kind of I felt in midfield with kind of Fabinho and a few others uh rested or injured that um I thought not and Adam Lalana really helped uh Brighton get a foothold back in that game and yeah, I think from there on in, they probably were the better of the two teams. Yeah, the, uh, and the M- Wepo goal, great strike. But, yeah, I think, yeah, Allison's position, and uh, not the best, but taking nothing away from that goal. And then, yeah, just some of, uh, some of Brighton's interplay is absolutely um, brilliant. Like, they, they really are very good football inside. And it's kind of n- nice to see them kind of getting the goals their kind of style of play deserves they were kind of famously, you know, kind of DXG uh, team last year, but um, you know that wasn't just that. You can see, you, you see that when watching them, they do create good chances. They do play good football, so it's it's nice to see them kind of um, in and amongst those European positions this year. And after a couple of tough tests.
0: Staying there, yeah. So, like, obviously, they had the three-one loss to City at the week- the weekend previously, but I don't know this. This game kind of felt like a real kind of defining game for for that team and who that team are. Um, that they were two 0 down away at Anfield, and they were able to figure it out like on the fly. Like they kind of realized how Liverpool were playing. And like through I suppose through Graeme Potter like giving instructions to the players as well as the players being kinda of maybe realising it themselves and being able to execute it, uh kind of figured out how they needed to attack to hurt Liverpool the most. Um and in that second half they just looked <laughs> they just looked really impressive. Like Graham Potter is a would seem like seemingly getting a, a brilliant manager, so I don't imagine him staying at Brighton for too much longer, especially if this form keeps up. But yeah, Brighton in eighth at the moment after that result, and uh, going well. Uh, I I do anticipate that their their form will fall off. Uh, like I I don't know if they'll be able to keep sustain this, but you know I think if they're they're looking at probably a mid table finish uh, at at the at the very least I'd say right now. Uh, Liverpool will be disappointed that they have dropped points, especially at home against a team like Brighton. I know I just complimented Brighton a lot there, but you know Liverpool would be expecting to win this game. So in terms of how that affects their title race, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, you mentioned the the Newcastle Chelsea game there earlier earlier, so I might just touch on it here. Chelsea three Newcastle nil. Uh, Newcastle obviously still in the search for managers. They a manager. They've still have their their caretaker manager here, but. Chelsea kind of figured it out in the second half. Uh, Reese James got two goals, and Harkeno uh, got a penalty. And uh, after the game, Thomas Tuchel was asked about uh, Reese James, and he says he kicks the ball like a horse. Uh, uh, translate.
1: <laughs> oh, I hundred. I, I think that's the perfect metaphor because, kind of, he just strikes through the ball, and he just has that powerful kind of leg and like a horse gallop. <laughs> are, are, you know, are we
0: saying he's basically he's mason greenwood and he kicks the ball really hard
1: uh, i think there's i think it's a they, they both have a bit of nuance to it you know there is aim and accuracy to it they're not kind of like you know your thomas party uh, firing from anywhere and seeing if it's top bins or outside of the stadium
0: yeah yeah um the only other thing to note I think maybe is that, you know, against some of the, the, the better sides, Chelsea without Lukaku and Werner might struggle a little bit more up top. It doesn't seem like um Havertz or uh Ziyech, who's been brought in lately, uh, although I think he scored um in the Champions League this week, um are 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 kinda of doing it so um but you know they're they're getting the wins that they have to get and uh, Newcastle away isn't always the easiest fixture. Um like you, know, we'll have to see now what what Newcastle do because you do. You feel like they kind of have to get someone in soon enough just to try and um, stop the rot and and get momentum going because they are in nineteenth after this fixture. Uh, I know that they're looking at uh, a, a, either two two candidates, uh, uh, Unai Emery or uh, Eddie Howe. I think em- Emery is preferred candidate. But they obviously have to uh, work out a deal with uh, Villarreal because uh, I think his contract still runs uh, till 2023. So I think the rumour is about £6 million uh, to pay off that. So we'll, we'll wait and see there. But um, obviously brighter days ahead. Newcastle just have to make sure they keep themselves in the Premier League to see them. Um.
1: Yeah, that, I think that's one thing with the manager is kind of you want to to get someone in a bit before Christmas. And I, I, I imagine kind of, again, why um, Emery would be the favourite is that kind of European pedigree and a, a bit more ability to attract uh, players um, with the, with a kind of eye on the the long term and really improving the squad rather than just kind of bunkering down for the season trying to stay up.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, <clears throat> one of the other uh, Saturday three o'clocks uh, that threw up a surprise, uh, Man City nil, Crystal Palace 2, uh, Wilfred Zaha and Conor Gallagher with the goals.
1: Um, I think that's the most straightforward result of the weekend, to be honest. Like, Crystal Palace love it against Man City. They always give them a tough time. They really
0: do. It's, it's, it's a football cliche. Yeah, they, they love it at the Etihad, uh, <laughs> maybe even more so than Man City. But uh, just yeah, your mind thinks back to Andros Townsend. Uh, I think it was a goal of the season strike against uh, against City there. Yeah, um, yeah Laporte um, got himself sent off as well in uh, extra time in the first half for dragging down Zaha with, with what was deemed a clear and goal scoring opportunity. Um, didn't help things. And uh, yeah, eventually they, they Connor Gallagher caught them on the counter then at the end of the game, trying to kind of seal it for them. Um, uh, Palace doing really well. Um, City so will be disappointed, obviously, at this result. Um, but you know, Vieira is doing pretty well with that Palace side, thirteenth after this result.
1: Yeah, no, he's been like obviously as an Arsenal fan, you want to see kind of Patrick Vieira do well, but I've yeah, I've been really impressed with Palace in kind of in a very short period of time with mainly signing young players. Like they've they've really gotten like a good identity as a team in terms of their progressive play, and uh, kind of they've become very solid at playing out from the back when kind of that wouldn't have been the thing with your likes of Gary Cale and Martin Kelly, yeah, and uh, Mamadou Sako.
0: They've uh, he's done well to establish an identity with that team so early on. So um, yeah, it'd be nice to see them kick on and how they continue to perform for the rest of the season. Uh just gonna just gonna cut through uh, a few of these games cause, uh I am conscious of time and we might, might want to get to the, the main talking point just to just for just for all the all the, the 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 news. Um but anyway, uh Leeds two, Norwich 1. uh Leeds finally getting a win uh, against the poor Norwich side, but Norwich didn't make it easy for them. They uh, they got a goal through uh Amabada DLA. God, you're, you're you're right. That name is not as easy to pronounce as you make it sound, Steve. But um, yeah, Leeds, look, they're in 17th. Uh, they needed this win to try and keep their head above water and continue to stay in the league. So we'll see how they kick on. Norwich are continuing their performance of potentially being one of the worst teams in the Premier League uh, ever. Um, uh, permission to move on? Granted. Thank you. Um, Where's my gavel? Please don't. It'll hurt the listeners' ears. Yeah. Uh, Villa won uh, West Ham 4. Uh, ben Johnson uh, and Declan Royce uh, with two goals in the first half. Watkins with a goal in the first half as well. So it was 2-1 going into the break, but then Fornals and Bowen with goals in the second half after Ezri Consa got sent off in the 50th minute for another uh, last-man-back challenge, um, which was... Uh, which. Um, the referee overturned via VAR. Um, good game uh, as a neutral. Um, West Ham continue to impress. Um, they look like Moises at the wheel, and there's no traffic ahead of them. It's all plain sailing <laughs> at the moment. Uh, I'm sure they'll. Uh, I'm sure they'll have their ups and downs this season, but so far, Steve, they look like they're. They look like they're on for an, a, a re- repeat European spot.
1: Yeah, honestly, the only thing that I could see potentially kind of harming West Ham is injuries. Because as good as some of their players are, um, kind of if you take out a Rice or a Suchek or Antonio in particular, there's not really a replacement. So I'd I'd really, like, I'm wishing West Ham all the best and I've really been enjoying their play. I'd love to see them strengthen the, the depth of their squad some way in January, just... Because I yeah, I think they are on their way to be kind of becoming a regular uh, European contender. And, yeah, yeah. Beat beat Moises coming uh, through.
0: Yeah. The the only other thing you might say out of this game is that Villa don't seem to know what their best starting eleven is. Uh, they dropped things to the bench in order to play um, Leon Bailey, uh, Buendia, and Ollie Watkins. Um, didn't really seem to work out. I'm just wondering, like, are the, those players just because they've all been signed in the one summer? Are they really gelling that well at the moment? Uh, it's kind of something that we kind of thought about with Frank and with, with Chelsea when the, all those signings come in. So, uh, you know, they're in 15th at the moment. They're not going to be happy with that, given the amount of money they've invested in the squad. West Ham, obviously, in fourth. Um, So we'll see how they get on this. Uh, both teams get on this weekend.
1: Just one thing on Villa. Wolves too Sorry, is, um. Yeah, go ahead. Let's say, like, obviously, the new players coming in and Jelen can be a difficult thing to do, but I think a lot of them have been injured at separate times and things, so haven't really been there to even train together. Between kind of Watkins had an injury, Ings is injured now, Bailey only back from injury, Buendia injured, and international break issues. So I am, yeah, no, I, I, I would be a bit worried with their lack of identity, but I think. They have the ability to come through and Dean Smith kind of deserves the benefit of the doubt there. Because there's a few kind of mumblings of should he you get the sack, which I think is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Wolves 2, Everton 1. Uh, I missed this game because I was busy injuring, <laughs> injuring my knee. Selfish. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Max Kilman and Raul Jimenez with the goals in the first half. Alex Wolby got one back in the second half, but... To be honest, from what I saw in the second half, uh, Everton didn't really look like they're posing any danger. They looked like just toothless, uh, similar to how they looked against Wafford when they went uh, when they went three, two all or three two down. Um, so look, uh, you 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 thought um, you thought Rafa was going to kind of go in and maybe provide a bit more defensive stability, but doesn't seem to be the case. Um, Maybe he's not sure what his best defensive back four is. Uh but uh look at Everton need to get it figured out. They sit in tenth at the moment, Wolves finish at seventh uh after this game, so it'll be interesting to see how both sides continue. Wolves um are starting to get the results that their style of play uh, uh vindicate uh, validated at the start of the season when they just weren't getting the goals. Um I think they've looked almost probably better since they've dropped Amatriori. And uh, not saying that he isn't a good player, but he just doesn't seem to have an end product whenever he's he's finished running past every single man in the field.
1: Yeah, I agree there. Yeah, again, like he's a great watch, but yeah, I think you, you always find that you just the, the returns aren't there. And I think kind of Wang hee Chan, who's come in from, has kind of has Nuno sitting at home uh, looking for a job, seeing him and his, and him being like, "That's the top class striker with a South Korean partner." I thought I was getting. <laughs> uh, at, in his previous uh, uh, job,
0: and but... uh, I think that's actually a perfect segue to uh, to move on to our main game for this week, which was uh, the Sacco or El Sacco <laughs> or the Battle of the Banter's, um, which was um, Spurs nil, uh, United three, uh, United doing just enough to uh, justify Ollie's existence. Um, but not enough to win trophies and the way that I, the, I was reading an article in the Irish Times and the way that they symbolised it was the uh, the team as a whole is not good enough to actually win anything but the individuals themselves are too good to lose so they'll, they'll live in this kind of limbo where they do just enough to justify Ollie staying in the job but never enough to justify them deserving to win anything any sort of trophies which I thought was a brilliant way of of uh, of putting it. Um, like they had a, they had some really nice goals in this game. In fairness, Bruno with a pinpoint pass to uh, Ronaldo, who had a brilliant finish uh, on the volley uh, pass um, Hugo Lloris in the first half. Then him and Cavani linked up really well for uh, Cavani's goal in the second half, and then Rashford just kind of icing on the cake. Really nice finish into that far uh, right hand corner. And um, Spurs just looked completely lost. They didn't have looked devoid of any sort of game plan, of any sort of attack at all. Uh, they didn't even have a shot on target, um, which was just just terrible to watch from their point of view. But it worked out for them in the end, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. there. Spurs were very lethargic, but um, they just had the best Trina loss of a. Uh, they're definite uh, probably the last 10-20 years, and United probably with their worst 3-0 win um, for the kind of repercussions of what's uh, come from the result. But um, just going back to your, um, what you read in the Irish Times, yeah, I think that's... Um, I hadn't heard that, and I think that's a very uh, apt description of it. Yeah, they're kind of in uh, purgatory, kind of stuck in that limbo between having... Yeah, I say a world class squad, but not then being a good team due to the lack of coaching and identity.
0: Yeah, well, this is the thing. Like, uh, even after Oli's time does eventually come in, to an end at United, like fans will still regard him as the best manager of the post-Ferguson era. Um, you know, the the nostalgia definitely comes into it here. And the loyalty that the fans have towards him just haven't been a former uh, former player and legend of the club. But yeah, um I don't know where they go. I think we kinda talked about this in the last pod, but he just he seems like a club who was great he, he was a great manager to bring in to take over at the club um when it was for where it was at but now it feels like it's at the stage where it's ready to challenge and i don't know how capable he is for that i don't know how uh tactically adept he is like he kind of just realized that like oh shit we got b5 nil so you know what i should do i should put more defenders on the field and revert it to a formation that they hadn't used in like 30 or 40 games maybe even more i don't know and um yeah like it if if Ali were to and it's a
1: formation he as a formation he hasn't built the squad for like their signings for the past 2 3 years have not been in any way shape or form towards this formation event Anton. it's the opposite because they've been signing you know wingers like Sancho and you've Rashford and Greenwood coming in and there's this a, a backlog of attackers trying to get the two striker spots behind ahead of Bruno
0: yeah and, like the other point that I have uh, maybe to finish on United on this is that if if Ali was to leave the United job um at the end of the season like where is there gonna is he gonna be in high demand? are there gonna be a lot of clubs looking for him like you know like, I left inter and will go on to him now in a second but Conte left Inter and like he was being linked with nearly every single job like obviously he turned down the Spurs job in the summer and was linked with loads of different jobs um I don't anticipate I can't imagine there's going to be the same type of market when get gets out at United um which I think is kind of telling you a little bit as well (laughs) you know
1: I actually I remember um Making the point when he signed his new contract in the summer, kind of similar to what you're saying, is if he left the job, he, he they had a, his deal still ran through this season, so why not just sit and watch and see how he does with the squad, and then if he does well, you can sign him to a new deal because he's not going to jump ship because of his United loyalties, and then if he isn't good enough, you walk away scot free. Whereas now they're going to be on the hook for probably twenty million to. Come from it, maybe not that much, but they're going to be on the line for millions to end his deal.
0: Ah, yeah, there's there'll be a severance package if if it it does come to that, and like you know, he'll absolutely be entitled to that money just because like that's how football works. Um, but could it felt it feels like kind of coulda, shoulda, woulda, and you know, Spurs, uh, I think they realized early on that the Nuno, um, not experiment, it's um. it felt like he was a caretaker manager, even though he was the full-time manager. It felt like they were—he was only ever a transitional or a kind of holdover figure, you know. He knew <laughs> he knew himself; he was the fifth or sixth choice for this job. And after three months, uh, with Spurs sitting in ninth after this loss, they decided enough was enough, and they um, parted ways. And almost immediately, uh, were able to sign Antonio Conte, who has been confirmed as the Spurs manager now. And we'll lead them out um, for their game this weekend. Um, uh, brilliant signing. Uh, I think Like he's, he's just a serial winner. Uh, like any club he's gone to, he's won the league. So it'll just be interesting to see now um, how Spurs spurs it up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, you know they they even announced uh, his uh, his uh, his reveal on twitter wrong so they're already off to a fantastic start and um, but no he's he's going to he's going to turn that team around and um get them playing uh, a more competitive uh, style of football um which is what they need um how much they're going to how much that squad is going to change over the next uh, season and a half because i think it's an 18 month contract he's on will be interesting to see um, how much uh, funds he's given, who he brings in, and who he brings out may be almost as important. But um, I think now that you've got Klopp at Liverpool, Pep at United, uh, not United, Pep at City. Apologies. Um, Tuchel at Chelsea and Conte at Spurs—those are four world-class managers. Um, and I—it's only—it's only a matter of time before we're at, we're we're looking at Spurs compete. It's just a matter of when, really.
1: Yeah, it is kind of a case of what happens when a winning force meets a an unstoppable loser. So kind of see kind of does Conte win over versus the spursiness of it all. But yeah, it's definitely like
0: an unstoppable force meets an immovable loser yeah. who will win.
1: But yeah, no, it's like I think even if you were to take like your choice of managers in jobs and um, at the moment, like there's yeah, not really any too many you'd be looking at ahead of him. Um, Conte and kind of again he's gone into situations maybe not as quite as bleak looking as Spurs right now um but like you know he finds players in that those squads and you know he gets them playing uh, their way so kind of a hopeless Spurs very much game gained a a massive amount of hope and you
0: know yeah well well. Well, that's the thing, like, he he gets players who might not be the most technically gifted, but if they're willing to work hard, he can he can make them into something usable in that squad, and the case in point is Victor Moses, who was a nomad, really, kind of just wandering around different clubs on loan, and Conte comes into Chelsea, adapts to the 3-5-2, and turns uh, Victor Moses into one of the best right-wing backs in the world, and they win the league that season, and that was just purely down to Conte molding the player to suit the, to suit the system and you know it'll be a case of it'll be a case of looking at who he's got in the squad at the moment and saying who can he do that to you know you, you from an Irish point of view you're kind of hoping Matt Doherty might get that a little bit like having played right wing back at Wolves and been that sort of attacking threat for, for them that he might be able to adapt to the system but you know they've kind of they do have depth at that center backs um uh, position because they've got uh, Romero, Eric Dyer, uh, Davison Sanchez, Joe Roden, and there's a name I'm forgetting Ta- there as Tanganga, well.
1: Tanganga, who I actually think will be one to benefit. Jaffa Tanganga. Benefit. Yeah, he's a really athletic kind of defender. So yeah, I think he suits like, the, yeah, that wide centre-back or kind of wide of the tree.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, you've got uh, the likes of uh, Hoiberg in midfield, who, um Showed for Denmark that he can kind of be that, uh, be that link player between the uh the the back four and the attacking players, and then you know if you're talking about Son and Kane as a strike partnership up top, you know we know that those two love to play together and they link up really well. So, um, it could be a similar kind of situation to what they had in Inter with Lukaku and Martinez. So, um, yeah, like it, it can it can work. It can definitely work. Um. So it'll just be interesting to see how how fast the that he can adapt the team to the style of play that he wants and get the mentality inside and, and really just kind of maybe get a bit more confidence into the lads. Like it just seemed like they had no respect for for Nuno. They kind of everyone knew that he was kind of like not the first choice or even the second choice or the third choice. So like and then the situation going on with Harry Kane, like, you know, what do they do there? But um, it's very interesting times at, at Spurs now, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah,
1: I think kind of signing a manager like Conte is, you know, Harry Kane you know, was being quoted as a £150 million striker. By bringing in Conte, you've probably got yourself Harry Kane for like another year and a half. Because he's going to want to work under him and give him a, a chance and see what he develops. Because he is a Spurs lad, so I think kind of a statement of intent like bringing in Conte... You know, it's definitely probably going to turn Kane's eyes away from the door and kind of if he, if he starts trying again because he has just not wanted to be there um, so far this season. Yeah, he, no,
0: he, he hasn't wanted to be he, there, and it's kind of feels like I I was listening to the Tifa podcast again, but it was really they raised a really good point where it was almost he kind of feels like Rooney. Like, Kane is a player who is played every week. He's their best attacking midfielder as well as their best striker. He never gets a break for England. He's just. I feel like he's just burnt out. I feel like he just needs a fresh start somewhere. And even if Conte does come in, yeah, maybe. I. I now Conte couldn't come in and maybe give him that fresh start that he needed. I think he knew looking at Nuno, that they weren't going to be the level that he wanted to be at. He wants to be challenging for titles, like he said it himself. Personal accolades are great, but what he really wants is is, is trophies. Um, but um, you know, Conte has said that if a player isn't willing to work, then like it'd be better off that they that they're killed as opposed to sold to another manager who can't get it, who won't get anything out of him either. But you know. Um, if he's able to get Kane back going, that's great. Uh, I still anticipate that uh, Kane uh, will probably look to maybe get a move somewhere in the future. But uh, look, that's I think that's way further down the line. I think um, at the moment now, Spurs are taking a week by week.
1: Yeah, and I think um, the international break's coming at a very good time for them. Cause I, th- yeah, I think after this set of fixtures uh, coming up, yeah, it's an international break. And, Actually, a lot of that Spurs squad won't won't be going away. Obviously, key players like Son and Kane and Hoiberg, Larice will be, but you're going to get to work with your likes of uh, Tanganga, your Emerson Royal. I don't believe Region's a, a Spanish international, so there's um, so there's a lot of players that are still going to be left around that Spurs training ground. So at least kind of Clante will get a very good uh, chance to look at kind of some of the can he find a diamond in that rough of kind of the lesser players in the squad and also just kind of get a a couple of weeks without having to look at a a fixture and just kind of get a lot of the squad um, up and running with his kind of way of playing and what he's going to be demanding of them
0: yeah yeah exactly so look those were uh, last weekend's fixtures and uh, we might just take a break now when we come back we'll be looking at the weekend's fixtures uh, coming up next Okay, so now look, uh, looking at uh, this weekend's fixtures, I'll, I'll read them out here and then we'll go into them a bit more in depth. Uh, so Friday Night Football, we have uh, Southampton Villa. Uh, then probably one of the biggest games of the week is the uh, Saturday kickoff, uh, sorry, Saturday lunchtime kickoff, uh, United against City. Uh, then we have Chelsea against Burnley, uh, Palace against Wolves, uh, Brentford against Norwich. And then the Saturday night game is the Brighton Newcastle game. A uh, few games on Sunday uh, at two o'clock. We have Everton Spurs, uh, Leeds United, Leicester City, Arsenal against Watford, and then where we finish out with uh, a nice tasty fixture of West Ham against Liverpool at half four on Sunday. So looking at those fixtures, fantasy wise, Steve, what are you seeing here? See a
1: lot of kind of um, favourable matchups in kind of. We're not favourable, but yeah, appealing options in the three o'clock kickoffs there with Chelsea at home to Burnley. And then also, kind of, Brentford against Norwich is one where you think where Brentford have shown themselves to be good and coming off a, a tough loss uh, to Burnley, they'll be looking to kind of right themselves. Um, but I think, he yeah, has a very good slate of fixtures, just a lot of games as a neutral fan where you'd be definitely happy to tune in
0: yeah I feel like it's a it's a good it's a good slate of fixtures um for um clean sheets and all but it's got the right amount of kind of 50 50 games as well as you have um you have your Chelsea Burnley you have your Arsenal Watford and maybe even your Brighton Newcastle in terms of like clean sheets but then there's kind of like your Crystal Palace Wolves and uh, Leicester Leeds, where you're kind of like, ooh, not really too, 100% sure which way those ones could go. Um, Like, I think if you have your Chelsea defenders, absolutely start them. Uh, Arsenal defenders, absolutely start them. I think Brentford are probably... Uh, yeah, I, w- I would be maybe picking up a Brentford defender for that Norwich team away from home. Um, I know that they scored... Last weekend, but that was kind of off. A, a, they didn't really have that much going forward. It was from a centre back from a corner, so I wouldn't really take that as a sign that their their attack is 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 back to uh, goal scoring. Um, and then Brighton against Newcastle, like I, Brighton, Newcastle still have a caretaker manager. Brighton playing really well and do play that back three. You'd nearly you'd be thinking maybe a Brighton clean sheet there.
1: Yeah, no, I'd, I just I think like not only are like. You know, Newcastle not great at the minute, and again, lacking an identity under a caretaker manager. Just Brighton dominate the ball so much um, that, like, there's going to be very limited opportunities for Newcastle to do Ant. and So, yeah, I think they're going to be under very little pressure and uh, a clean sheet, probably imminent bar, maybe a, a set piece.
0: Yeah, for me, uh, just looking at that, the only thing I could see is maybe a, it feels like a game Callum Wilson pops up with a goal in. But yeah, it's a it's a, it's an interesting one to say the very least. Anyway, um, a game that I think could be interesting in terms of like maybe one to watch is is Palace against Wolves. Uh, both sides kind of playing an attack and football, and um, uh, you know if you, if you've got Jimenez or Zaha or uh, Benteke or Huang Hechan, like you're kind of like thinking uh, there's a good opportunity for them to return here, um. Uh, Leeds Leicester again another interesting fixture like both sides kind of known more so for their attack and play like um you'll have your Rafinha's Rodrigo and Dan James uh, Jack Harrison for, for Leeds and then you kind of have your Ian Acho Madison I'd say Harvey Barnes probably get a, a run out he just played pretty well against Arsenal in that second half um. So, like, you know, it could be a very attacking game again. I don't know if I anticipate a clean sheet, clean sheets here. Tough one to call. Um, Yeah, I'd be very then, surprised think,
1: if there's a, if that's kind of, if there's not a, at least a lot of chances between Leeds and Leicester, because, yeah, both love to attack, and neither have really shown any defensive solidity this season.
0: Yeah. Uh, West Ham, Liverpool, interesting game. Obviously, Liverpool in second, West Ham in fourth. Uh, although Liverpool last season did get the win at West Ham, uh, the West Ham Stadium, uh, Salah with a pretty nice goal from what I remember as well. You um, like both sides are gonna are gonna go at it. I think like I, I feel like West Ham are. are yeah, I, I feel like they they feel like they can kind of have a go at these teams. Like they weren't afraid again. They didn't show any fear against Spurs. I know it was Spurs, but you know, like uh, I I don't think they'll be afraid to have a go against Liverpool, and. Um, Liverpool after that draw against Brighton will be looking to definitely get a win here, I think.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's an opportunity for I think they both really kinda of want to make a statement, kinda of with West Ham being like, No, we belong in these uh European Champions League spots and kinda of, yeah, Liverpool laying down the marker after dropping points against Brighton, being like, No, yeah, we are challenging for this title and this is who we are.
0: Yeah. And then I suppose if you're talking about laying down a marker and setting a setting out your stall, it's, I think Man United, Man City, like Man City, to, after a two 0 loss to Palace, they're they're going to be up for it. They're they're going to be coming for a win here. Um, I I would anticipate. Bar, see, this is the these are the kind of games Solskjaer uh, tends to do well in. Or did well in because they would set up to be like a four, like a four five one counter attack type team, and I don't know if that's the way they'll set up. Maybe it will. Like they seem to, they're playing the back three again in the in the Champions League midweek. So is it a formation he's going to stick with again? Probably try and frustrate City and see if they are unable to break them down. Yeah. But yeah, like that. I and I'd say I anticipate a City win there.
1: Yeah, there's there's a lot of permutations that can come out of that game, it should obviously be kind of entertaining, um, a game regardless. But yeah, it's kind of like, oh, if United have success, is it? Yeah, is it again because the opponents give them the game plan to counter attack? But when they're expected yeah. to kind of impose themselves on a team, they look clueless. And yeah, again, if they get a positive result, Ali's oh, not going anywhere, and. Again, I think yeah. like I think secretly would City mind too much if kind of if they drop the three points, but in the long term, uh, Pep is going to be seeing all the India, India, excuse me, opposition dugout.
0: Maybe, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, uh, two games you haven't touched on. I suppose just looking at it here, Southampton Villa. I think it's fourteenth against fifteenth there. It'd be interesting to see how Villa come out after that four-one loss to West Ham. Like they need to, they need to find their identity and and start getting back to winning ways. And uh, Everton against Spurs, uh, probably not the not the worst fixture for Conte to kind of uh, start his Spurs reign against an Everton side who are kind of struggling to keep clean sheets and and really kind of score goals as well. They have Richarlison back, which is great, but. Having, I don't feel like he's the the main focal point. It feels like Oliver Lewin is a much better target man, or 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 number nine, and and Richarlison does well playing in behind him or on the on the wing. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that game goes. Definitely,
1: yeah, I think Benitez is probably like Everton, very like before they, or sorry, Spurs before they got Conte in a very much Everton situation where the new managers come in actually had a good start in the early weeks, but kind of since then. Things have been deteriorating, results not looking great, and um, yeah, I'd agree as well. Richardson is a a very good player, but um, yeah, he's not a main striker. He's very much a second striker to play off a, a Calvert-Lewin type. He needs his um, a, a partner.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But so uh, we might um, that kind of that kind of segues us nicely into the our, our FPL matchups for for this weekend. So I might run down the fixtures and then we'll talk about our teams more in depth about who we might look to pick up and that sort of thing. So uh, I'm playing uh, Gary Fowley this week. Uh, Mark Clossie is playing John Scanlon. Uh, Mark Gary is playing Mitchell. Uh, Owen Dillon is playing Cahill Connolly. Tyke Flynn is playing Porrick. Thomas is playing Owen. Go, go, Thomas, go. (laughs) Uh, Connell is playing Connor Skiing. Go, Connor, go. (laughs) Actually, they're on level on points, so I don't really... A draw, draw. Uh, uh, team... Can't both teams lose? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe if I manage to hack Owen's laptop, I may be able to manufacture a loss for both of them. Uh, Ray's team, Team Autodraft, is playing your team, Steve. Uh, nice fixture for you this week as well. And then that leaves... Suspiciously nice, I feel. Perfect time for me to
1: slip up over top of the table.
0: Yeah, and then uh, Andy is playing. Uh, who is Andy playing? Sorry, now just one second. Is that is that Mark Classy? Oh, I think something it's, champion. Maybe I'm wrong now. Oh, I didn't see the name. <laughs> oh, this is a, oh no, it's Paddy. It's Paddy. Sorry now. Uh,
1: oh, Team Tony t- t-
0: Tony Hibbert. Yeah, team. yeah, Team Tony Hibbert. So look, uh, yeah, you probably man, probably win for Paddy there, but um. Do you have your Do you have your team there, Steve? Maybe run us through and let us know what kind of transactions waivers you might look to make.
1: Um, let's say I brought in uh, Diego Lorente from Leeds as kind of a one week defender when they had Norwich last weekend, so he'll be someone who's uh, getting the the chop from the squad. Um, but yeah, like again, actually a lot of um appealing options in terms of if you're only looking for like a fifth defender to see you through the week. Um. Brighton, as we pointed out against Newcastle, have a very good chance. Nothing wrong with punting on Brentford. Um I have a lot of Chelsea defenders already, so I'll be trotting them out. Same. Um did I mention Arsenal against Watford?
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't but...
1: believe I did. Oh we did, but I uh, just did um in my list there. So But yeah, like they got a good three, four kind of defenses you wouldn't mind getting someone from. So no shortage of possibilities and then can't see myself making too many other changes. I'm, I'm kind of keeping an eye on midfielders knowing Callum Hudson he isn't always going to be, um, a regular in that Chelsea team.
0: hmm So, um, so bar the uh the possible um the pickup of a fifth uh defender, your your midfield and your your uh starting forwards are are pretty locked in.
1: Yeah, there, and maybe one person out, uh, who hasn't kind of been returning too much of late is Ivan Tony, but he is narged this week, so hopefully that's a a game for him to kind of click back back into form and kind of keep uh, going from there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, okay, well, I uh, I might run you through my team. So then, um, I have uh, Schmeichel uh, in at the moment, but. Well, David Rea is on the way out, so we'll see who I'm able to who I'm able to bring in. Have a have a couple of sneaky uh, waivers pending. Um, then like yourself, I have the two Chelsea boys, Thiago Silva and Reese James. They're they're going to get the, they're going to get the nod. Um, although Thiago Silva did play uh tonight against Malmo, but on a Tuesday, you'd fan him to get you'd my fan him to start at the weekend as well. If not, I'll have uh, Mattip uh on the bench to come in for him. Uh, against West Ham, I mean, probably, yeah. We'll see how it goes. Uh, see who Liverpool uh, put out against for for Atletico Madrid. Um, midfielders of Bowen and Madison. Um, again, maybe someone getting a drop here. Maybe Andreas Townsend. See who I am able to pick up on waivers. I have a have an idea in mind of who I want. Trying to be a bit coy about it here, because I I don't actually know what what order I am in the waiver wire preference. But uh, the front four then, like you said, is is going to be locked in with uh, Ivan Tony, Jamie Vardy, Marcus Rashford, Mohamed Salah. But uh, Ivan Tony then, bar if, if he doesn't perform against Norwich, might be looking to be wavered out depending on who's available. But um, other than that, you know, I'm feeling fairly confident this weekend. But you never know. You you just never know. Like Mark Harry had had an unreal week against uh, Connell a few weeks ago, and got the win there. So you know you have to be you have to be humble at these sort of things as well, Steve, don't you?
1: Yeah, because even let's say going back to last week week's game week, um, we'll go into the commissioner's game when he's off on holidays and slay at his loss. Um, you know, one of the final games of the week, West Ham Villa. And he had he had the lead against Mark clossy Mark clossy confirmed he hadn't met his uh, set a sub order. Looks like Owen's gonna walk <sighs> home and then the two players in Mark's team immediately contribute in that game and turn turn the game week on its head. So, yeah. yeah, you can never count your chickens in fantasy.
0: Yeah, I wasn't gonna speak ill of the dead, um but uh, yeah, no, that was pretty shit from Owen, he really puffed fucking bottled that one, didn't he? Uh, but he's been getting away yeah, with it he, now for a few weeks. Like he's been, he's been registering a few low scores and getting away with it. Like last week, he got he beat he got forty one points and and one, which I think he would have lost to about eleven other people in the league. And then the week before that, he had a, a draw for forty points against Tig, and um, probably a similar scenario there. And then, like you know, the week before that, uh, he was again thirty points, but he's playing a, a very poor mark, Gary. So. Like he, he's been just snaking these wins, and uh, you know I'm absolutely gonna dig the boot in if I get the chance. Um, so, yeah, um, good, yeah. good, good to see probably that. Not,
1: probably not even enjoying his points at the Allianz Arena in the Champions League game now because of the last <laughs> of Marclausi and our. Our criticism, that he's probably sensing and... his podcast
0: senses are tingling. He knows we're chatting shit about him. Uh, <laughs> I'll send him. I'll send him the podcast and tell him to listen to the end specifically. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that kind of feels like a, a, maybe a natural point, maybe uh, to end things here. Um, thanks for thanks for uh, for coming on, Steve. Appreciate you coming on as a co-host on a, on a little bit of short notice.
1: Uh, no, I'm always happy to come on and. Uh... Again, yeah, no. Even if it's co-host guest, just pick, call in. Uh, yeah. If you start doing call-ins on the pod. I'll uh, I'll definitely be making another appearance. Oh, I'm sure you will. Uh, get but to...
0: uh, it might, you yeah. know, depending on how things go now, how well this podcast does, it could be could be permanent co-host. Maybe. we'll, we'll see. Not gonna rule anything out. Will the commissioner ever return? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, for for uh, to uh, make a reference to uh, NFL. Um, with, uh, with, um, the Jets, uh, backup quarterback, uh, White throwing for 400 yards and, and three, I think it was it three or four touchdowns? They asked the head coach, uh, would he be starting? And he said, well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, it's been, it's been great having you on, Steve. And, uh, really appreciate that. And, um, I'm pretty sure, sh- uh, also want to take a, a second here to thank everyone for listening. Um, appreciate everyone taking the time for this kind of small little venture that we're doing here but uh, we're really enjoying doing it so we really hope you're enjoying listening to it and um hope you'll stick with us because uh, hopefully we'll better good things to come down the line so uh, i'll stop rambling now and uh we'll we'll sign it off here thank you very much for listening everyone goodbye we've been two steves on the pod